This is the Ultra Running History Podcast, and I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Wow, more fans want to come in. So many fans, so few seats. Find a seat if you can. This is episode 8. In this episode, I'll share the history of the 50-miler that has been competed since the 1820s. Last year, more than 16,000 ultra runners finished 50-milers in the U.S. I'll explain how it all started. The 50-mile race is a distance most of today's ultra runners eventually run. In 2017, there were about 350-mile races held in America with about 16,000 unique finishers. At nearly twice the distance of a marathon, it truly involves a different approach than running a marathon both mentally and physically. Ultra-running legend David Horton once wrote, Most ultra-runners, me included, consider that real ultras are 50 miles or longer. When did the 50-mile race begin? The JFK 50 started in 1963 in Maryland, but just as the 100-mile races in America did not originate with western states in the 1970s, the 50-miler did not originate with the JFK 50 in 1963. It all began much earlier than that. Worldwide, competing for 50 miles on foot has been around as far back as the 1820s. But it wasn't until around 1870 that 50-mile races started to be held regularly. They were conducted in various circumstances, indoors, outdoors, tracks, roads, in loops, and point-to-point. Most of the early races were competed indoors on small tracks by professional pedestrian walkers who also competed in six-day events. Challenges and wagers were key reasons these 50-mile events were put on. The 50-mile races conducted in the 1880s were walking events with strict walking heel-and-toe rules. In America, the earliest 50-mile walking competition that could be found was held in 1870. James Adams of New York won a 50-mile Champions Cup of the United States. How fast could they strictly walk 50 miles? The world walking best around that time was set in 1878 by British walker William Howes with an amazing walking time of 7 hours 57 minutes in London. In 1879, go-as-you-please 50-mile events were established that allowed the competitors to run. Significant fast 50-mile running performances were accomplished, enticing runners to seek after world bests. These 50-mile races continued in England and America until the mid-1930s. During this very early era, the bests by Americans were Dennis Donovan's 6-hour, 18-minutes, 50-miler in 1880 and Johnny Sallow's 6-hours, 35-minutes run during the Bunyan Derby in 1929, the race across America. How did the early American 50-mile times compare to the bests in the world at that time? In 1887, professional runner George Cartwright of Great Britain ran 5 hours 55 minutes in London, the first to break 6 hours. As with other ultra distances, the 50-miler essentially disappeared during the World War II era and its resulting post-war reconstruction. 
But in the 1950s, the modern era of ultra running started to give birth and the 50 miler reappeared. England took the lead in the 1950s in establishing ultras in general and specifically the 50 miler. The London to Brighton 52 miler began as an official running race in 1951. It had been a standard point-to-point challenge for both walkers and runners since the early 1930s. The London to Brighton route went from Big Ben in London to Brighton Beach. In England, the Roadrunners Club, or RRC, was founded in 1952 by Ernest Neville to help promote London to Brighton and to encourage more long-distance running. By 1953, the race got attention of leading long-distance runners from other areas of the world. It became the race that the best ultra runners in the world wanted to compete in. The RRC was an amazing success and the number of road races in Britain tripled in just a few years. America was much slower to bring the 50 miler back. It first needed to go through England. Ultra running historian Andy Milroy wrote, The London to Brighton race was to be a major catalyst in development of North American ultra running. In the 1950s and into the 1960s, running for fitness in America was very rare. Ultra-running pioneer Tom Osler related that frequently he was stopped and questioned by police while running, thinking he was running to try to get away after doing some crime. Amateur distance-running athletes who grew up running in high school and college looked to the Amateur Athletic Union, or the AAU, to provide races, But in the late 1950s, it became evident that the AAU wasn't really interested in putting on many races. Browning Ross was an important character in re-establishing road ultra-running in America. He had been referred to as the father of long-distance running in America. In 1956, Ross published a monthly magazine entitled The Long Distance Log, which in a way was a predecessor of ultra-running magazine. He published race results and shared news. It was the only publication at the time devoted exclusively to long-distance running in America. When Ross competed in England, he joined the RRC and was impressed with the way it brought new life into the sport there. At the time, there were only nine marathons in North America with only about 300 Americans participating. Ross proposed that an American road-running organization be formed similar to the RRC of England. On February 22, 1958, under Ross's leadership, a small group met to lay out the structure for an RRCA and how it might work with the local chapters. Tom Osler later said, We runners continue to benefit from Browning's tremendous efforts. Once Browning started the RRC, The national mechanism was in place for running to grow by millions of runners. All that was necessary was to expand the size of the fields. Local RRCs started to be organized, and in April 1958, the New York RRC was organized with 29 members. Ted Corbett was elected president of the New York chapter. It would be the most influential organization in reestablishing ultramarathons in America. Corbett put into place the ability for ultramarathons to be reintroduced to America and bring focus on the 50-miler. Ted Corbett is universally known as the father of American ultrarunning, both as a competitor and an administrator. 
He joined the New York Pioneer Club in 1947, which was the first racially integrated running organization. He became a very successful marathon runner and competed in the 1952 Helsinki Olympics. By 1959, with six chapters of the RRC, races started to be organized, including national championships for 10 miles, 12 miles, and a fixed time race of one hour. That year, Corbett and the New York RRC put on a 30-mile version of the hilly, pothole-infested Cherry Tree Marathon, plus four miles, as its first ultra-distance race. In Corbett's mind, establishing a 30-mile race was the first step toward establishing a 50-mile race, which is what he really wanted to run. In 1962, Corbett was the second American to run London to Brighton. Corbett came in fourth. He set the record for the fastest newcomer and was determined to return and run faster. In 1963, a 50-mile craze occurred in America and elsewhere because of President John F. Kennedy's 50-mile challenge to the Marines. Tens of thousands of people all over America hiked 50 miles, and many claimed in the newspapers that they had set 50-mile records as slow as 12 hours and 58 minutes. The AAU was asked what the record was, and they were just as naive stating the record was 9 hours 29 minutes set back in 1887. On February 16, 1963, a Polish refugee and former University of Houston national cross-country champion, John Macy, age 32, achieved a 50-mile run in an astonishing 5 hours 29 minutes. At that time, it was thought to be a world record by the National Track and Field Federation, but they admitted such a record had not been kept before, and his achievement put to rest the many false 1963 claims of 50-mile records. If you choose to accept his effort, it appeared to be the American best, but not a world record. The world best was set by South African Gerald Walsh in 1957 with a time of 5.16. In the 1960s, London to Brighton was effectively the World Ultra Championships, with elite runners coming from all over the world to compete. The RRCA wanted its members to participate and perform well on this world stage. Starting in December 1962, the RRCA put on 10 ultras between 30 and 44 miles during the next 18 months, and Ted Corbett won all of them. He and others used these races to train and try out for the 1964 London to Brighton. That year, seven Americans were in the field seeking to conquer the 50-plus miles. Corbett finished second overall, just 58 seconds behind the winner. In 1965, all of the ultras put on by the New York RRC were again geared toward getting ready for the next London to Brighton run. At least six races of up to 45 miles were put on in the New York area. Ted Corbett won most of them. Corbett finished the 1965 London to Brighton in second place again, about four minutes behind the winner. At the 1965 AAU convention held in December, the chairman of the National Long Distance Running Committee, Aldo Scondura, proposed that the AAU sanction a national 50-mile championship in order to develop runners to compete at London to Brighton. 
The first U.S. National 50-miler was scheduled for July 17, 1966, on a road course on Staten Island, New York. As Ted Corbett was packing his bag for the race, he noticed that the heat had melted the glue in his running shoes so that the sole came loose. He grabbed an old pair of leather shoes and hoped for the best. The course was on a four-mile loop around Clove Lakes Park on Staten Island. Right after the starting gun, Corbett and Jim McDonough, a newcomer, separated from the others. Corbett ran the downhills better and could accelerate more at these points. Corbett started developing blisters because of the old shoes, but he still hit the marathon mark in 2.49. At that point, it was about 85 degrees. He was still in front at mile 40, but only a few yards ahead of McDonough. On the last loop, Corbett crashed with severe dehydration and started weaving and staggering with terrible cramps. He could barely walk. McDonough went into the lead and won the first 50-mile American championship with 5.52, 20 minutes ahead of Corbett. That year, both Corbett and McDonough ran London to Brighton with Corbett 5th and McDonough 10th. Back in 1911, a YMCA Thanksgiving Day road race began to be held in Poughkeepsie, New York. By 1943, the run included a 2.5 junior division and a 5-mile senior division. In the years following, it migrated to 5- and 10-mile events. In 1964, a 20K event was added that was sanctioned by the AAU as a national championship, attracting some of the best runners in America. In 1965, Ted Corbett ran in the 20K and expressed interest to the YMCA director, Don McKiernan, for a longer distance race. McKiernan honored his request and added a 50-mile run to the 1967 event. This became the site for the AAU's 1967 50-mile national championship. Both Corbett and McDonough were injured and did not compete, so the door was open for someone else. On race day, there were 13 starters. One of the runners was Tom Osler of New Jersey, a math teacher at St. Joseph's College in Philadelphia. On race day, Osler, age 27, took control of the 50-miler early. The last 40 miles were run in a steady downpour of rain. Osler won with 5.52. On February 18, 1968, a 50-mile race was put on by the Pacific Association of the AEU in Rockland, California. Skip Halk of Reno, Nevada, who later ran in the Olympic marathon trials that year, dueled with Daryl Beardall of Santa Rosa, California, and of Brigham Young University. The two runners jockeyed for the lead over the first 30 miles. They hit the marathon mark in 2.43. After 30 miles, Hauk moved into the lead by 9 minutes. During the final 5 minutes, Beardall put on a fierce chase and only came up 11 seconds short. But it wasn't over. Silly as it might sound, Hauk was disqualified because he did not display his bid number on his jersey during this small race where everyone knew who he was. But it was an AAU requirement, so it was as if he never ran. Prominent athletes soon spoke out against the AAU for other reasons. The AAU would receive growing criticism regarding its governance, arbitrary rules, locking out of some runners, and banning women from some competitions. 
1970, the New York City Marathon ignored AAU rules and allowed women to run. Congress would get involved and eventually, in 1978, the AAU lost its governing influence and moved to focus on youth activities. The 50-mile national championship in 1968 was again held at the Poughkeepsie Thanksgiving event on November 28th. Ted Corbett, age 48, competed. He had been recovering from injuries incurred while trying to avoid being bitten by a dog. Thirteen runners started the 50-miler and the lead changed hands several times. After 20 miles, Corbett decided that he would try to push ahead of his main competition, Wayne Vandellen. Corbett said, quote, It was a gamble to see if I could win. I was running hard down the hills and I noticed he wasn't. But he was as strong going up the hills as I was going down. He built a 100-yard lead. After 48 miles, Corbett did take the lead. Vandellen said, He went by so fast, I couldn't believe it. Corbett recalled, I was fortunate enough to stay ahead. I expected him to come back, but he didn't. Lucky me. Corbett finished with 5.39. He was surprised to get the win. Other 50-mile races independent of the AAU and the RRCA started to emerge. The JFK 50 in Maryland originated as a 1963 Cumberland Valley Athletic Club event. It covered miles on the Appalachian Trail and the C&O towpath. But the race started mostly as a club hike for the next several years. Finally, in 1969, it caught the attention of runners and grew to 153 entrants with 40 finishers. The winner was still relatively slow with 8 hours 32 minutes. In 1970, the race grew to 275 and very quickly would turn into the premier 50-mile race in the country. Well, because of the efforts of the RRCA, and especially Ted Corbett, the 50-miler took hold and could grow on its own. Races for the masses were established in the 1970s for anyone to compete in. Ultras were still in their infancy, but a toehold was established for the future. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. <laughs>